Top leaders. Meaningful conversation. Actionable advice. Bulldoze complacency. Ignite inspiration. Create impact. Produced by Southwestern family of companies. This is the Action Catalyst. We are joined today once again by Mike McFall, author, entrepreneur, and the co-CEO of Bigby Coffee, the nation's third largest coffee franchise. Welcome back. Great roles, do it. When we last caught up with you, you were fresh off the release of your first book, Grind. How was Grind received, and how's Bigby? Well, Grind, you know, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with that book, which was to capture the ethos of startup. You know, what what what's it like to be uh, an entrepreneur in a startup, and you know, in my opinion, what your mentality needs to be, and how you need to approach the business. And I'm glad I'm through it. I'm now into book two. Big B is in a, an amazing, is in an amazing place. Like it's hard to even explain. Uh, we are growing like, like crazy. And then there's certain moments in a business when you're, when you're running it and managing it that it feels like you've got the wind at your back. And, and there's other moments when the wind's in your face. And right now it certainly feels like we've got the wind at our back. The new book is called Grow. Take your business from chaos to calm. So what exactly is chaos? Well, to me, chaos is my phone ringing 25 times a day. Uh, chaos is having a list of 75 unread emails in my inbox at the end of the day. Chaos is being involved in every decision and every detail. And I think that stuff's real important at startup and that the entrepreneur is fully engaged and is you know, involved in so many of the details and the decisions. And you can't grow a sustainable business in that chaotic space. Some people try. I think that's really hard. So what I'm advocating is you get it to positive cash flow. You're still in that bootstrapping moment, the entrepreneurial bootstrapping moment. But from there, you have to turn yourself into a leader and go through the transition of being a startup entrepreneur to actually being a leader of a team and of an organization. That's a transition that's difficult for many entrepreneurs to make because so much of what made you successful as an entrepreneur is going to get in your way as a leader. Like what? I, I would say probably the biggest one and the one that's that's the hardest hurdle to get over for an entrepreneur is the group is smarter than you are. And for an, for an entrepreneur to admit that and be willing to let the group take very important decisions and work through very important decisions and then execute those decisions with limited or maybe no involvement from the entrepreneur, that right there is a huge hurdle. You know, it probably is where it is today because of you. I don't deny that, right? Like, it, But transition out of that, you have to get away from the fact that, you, that you've got every answer. So piggybacking on that, one concept that shows up in both books is the idea of doing due diligence on yourself. Yeah, that that concept of due diligence on yourself, I'm really proud of that. But to me as a leader, no matter what stage your business is in, whether you're in startup or you're, you're reaching stability or you're you're into you know later stage of a company, like you always have to be assessing your impact on the organization. But more importantly, you need to be assessing what the organization needs from you. And then do you have the due diligence part is, is, do you have the ability to fulfill that? And if so, great. But if not, then how are you going to meet that need that the organization might have? That is this concept of 
of working continuously around your self-awareness. And self-awareness to me is understanding the impact you're having on others and on the organization itself. By being involved in something, what is the impact? And so that's what we have to constantly be being paying attention to. And I get my wrist slapped all the time in my organization because I, you know you're not, you're not even aware of the impact you're having. Just being a part of it changes it. And so your best mentor is your team. People think of mentors as people that have blazed the trail or people that are ahead of them in relation to the development of their company and so on. People that are, you know, have vast experience. Sure. That that stuff is is okay too. But actually, in my opinion, the best mentor are the people that are on your team, bringing you feedback about your impact on the organization. You as a leader are responsible for building the environment where that can happen, where they feel good about bringing you feedback to help you improve as a leader and then therefore help the organization improve and excel. It's so powerful that like I have this feeling of gratitude when somebody does that, you know? And so it's like, oh, you know, thank goodness you did that. And 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 so then there's there is a real outpouring of gratitude, like, thank you, thank you. So knowing how you define chaos, it sounds like calm means sustainability. Yeah. Well, and I would add one more caveat to that, which is give me more options at the end of the day. So if I've built a sustainable enterprise that's being run and led by a, a team of professionals and that I'm irrelevant to the future success of that business, I have all kinds of options. I can hold it. I can bring in a strategic partner. I can sell it. You know, and a company that's being led that way is more valuable. Like if I'm still a huge factor in the, the ongoing operation of this business and I'm going to get bought out and I got and I'm going to move on and go do, you know, go live in Florida or something, that makes the company less valuable. Calm is also having as many different outcomes available to me as the owner of the business. One big claim in the new book is that you say you've identified the most powerful productivity hack in corporate America since the microprocessor. I'm so glad you picked up on that. I love that. And it isn't tech. It's not tech. So 82% of employees are disengaged or actively disengaged in their work. If we can transition half of those people through really powerful leadership by building an environment that's nurturing and supportive and loving, where they enjoy coming to work, where they leave work more invigorated than they showed up. Imagine the increase in productivity. It's, it would be staggering to take 41% of our workforce and take them from disengaged to engaged. And it isn't on them. It's not their responsibility to do that. It is leadership's responsibility to do that. It's people like me and organizations who are willing to build an environment where they show up and they are fired up and they love being there and they feel like they're contributing and they're, they're, they've got a supportive environment with their team. Boom. All of a sudden, you've unlocked them. You've taken them from disengaged to what I would call actively engaged. And if we can do that, I think it's the largest productivity hack since the microprocessor. And the thing that's astonishing to me is it doesn't cost anything. And it's happening in places. I mean, there are companies that are like booming and it's incredible to be a part of and people love it. We just need that going on everywhere. You had mentioned that this book is the second in a planned trilogy. Sort of your empire strikes back. What's your return of the Jedi? The third book is always the book I've wanted to write. And I felt like I needed to write books one and two to have the credibility to write book three. And book three is a call to action. It is, all right, so now you're a successful entrepreneur. 
You have all the resources in the world. You've built an incredible team. You can you know, get appointments with anybody you want. Now, what are you going to do? How are you going to improve the human condition? And I want to challenge people in leadership roles to figure that out. It can't be about private planes to your third home in Aspen and going to the country club and playing the game of who's richer. We have an obligation. And I believe people feel that and know that. And now what I want to do is I want to challenge people to actually take that on, to set the example for everybody else. John D. Rockefeller said something like, giving his money away was 10 times more stressful than making it. You don't want to screw it up, taking that and then having powerful impact on the world. That's book three. That might sound like a niche book, right? People that have $50 million net worth and a buck. But my opinion is, is that we need everyone expecting that of leaders. If the new employee coming out of college and steps into your company has the expectation of they know when they come to work, how they're going to contribute to improving the human condition, that's powerful for them. I'll give you the last word for any parting advice. This whole thing is not a straight line. And sometimes you spin around and go backwards for a while. And, and like that's all to be expected as long as we keep trying to get better and better every day when we show up. That's what it's about is just plotting forward and making that making those things happen. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to be here. I appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening.